The second lesson today comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 12, verses 1 to 8. Hear the word of the Lord. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, the home of Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. And there they gave a dinner for him. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those at the table with him. Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped them with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, and the one who was about to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief and he kept the common purse and used to steal what was put into it. Jesus said, leave her alone. She bought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. You always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, friends, the average cost of giving birth in the United States is between $7,000 and $10,000. And that's without any complications. That's just the mother going into the hospital, having the baby, the medical staff, and then going home. Add any other medical concern, and then the cost just increases from there. Now, I just want to pause for one second and let you know that when I look at my children, I've never thought to myself, this is just what you were worth, (laughs) $10,000. It's ridiculous, right? And yet still, it's true. It's true. As parents and as children of parents, we live in relationships that far exceeds the value that any transaction can place on them. We don't live in a world where we place values on our relationship. Let's just pretend like we did for a second. That would be $10,000 for a mother, please. Would you like a brother or a sister to go with that? Add another seven to 10,000 pending no complications. This illustration, although somewhat ridiculous, helps us to see that our relationships, in fact, defy any sort of transactional value. Now, this is complicated because there are always times when we end up dealing with transactions within the context of our relationships. We have to deal with things like the cost of plane fare, should we need to make an emergency visit, sudden trips to urgent care, finding the right placement and comfort and fit when a loved one needs a form of assisted living. 
All of these things require that all of a sudden we begin to think about transactions within the context of our relationships. But when we reduce our relationships to a value that can simply be measured in dollars and cents, we often end up not only missing the point, but we end up doing something worse. We end up hurting each other. This can go both ways as you think about how this works within relationships, both in spending too much or in perhaps in spending too little. For example, if I arrange a less expensive birthday party for my son, that doesn't then mean that I value him any less. Just like, for example, if I were to arrange for him to sit in one of the box seats at a Mariners game, it doesn't mean that I value him any more. So you can see that we're always navigating how transactions fit within the context of our relationships. And sometimes we run, we run into trouble when, say, for instance, our son or daughter starts to think that the amount we spend is equivalent to the amount that we love. And this goes in multiple ways, right? It's easy for us, too, as the person who can be the recipient of that transaction to measure our own selves by how much it is that folks invest or do not invest in us. We all get tangled up in ideas around value and worth and whether human life can actually be measured through these transactions or not. And these questions are not easy, as we all know. Perhaps if we think that they are easy, we should, I don't know, let's think, maybe raise a debate about the, national, about the issue of national health care for all. The value of human life and the value of some human life over others and the transactions surrounding the well-being of human life, these are not easy questions and they do not give way to easy answers. And yet, and yet we all must wrestle with these questions in one way or another because at the end of the day, each one of us was a little newborn that was brought home in a little bundle in such a way that defies the cost that was placed on us by our birth. We all know that worth does not come from a numerical value. Not for me, not for you, not for anyone. In our text today, Mary has a very costly ointment. There are three words in this text that help us to understand just how costly this ointment is. We know, for example, that it's put within a flowing, um, a flowing substance. That's what that word ointment is. But then we also know that within it, it has an essential oil um, that is spikenard. And spikenard itself was not an indigenous plant to the Middle East. It was actually grown in the east, as far east as the Himalayas, in the foothills of the Himalayas. And the Egyptians used to import it 
because it was a luxury item for them. And the Egyptians would import this fine um, oil that was, well, it was actually a plant that was then extracted into an oil that was then captured in an alabaster jar as a way of protecting it and making it so that they could have it for a longer time. And we know that Mary has a large amount of this ointment, a very large amount, and we know that it costs a lot, a lot. Judas estimates that it costs about 300 denarii, that's about 300 days' wages for this ointment. That puts us at about the cost of our annual take-home pay. And there it was, broken open and filling up the room with either generosity or waste. We have yet to decide, right? And Judas has a point. This is a massive, massive transaction. If you measure it by its monetary value, by its numerical value, by how much it actually fetches within the marketplace, it appears wasteful and perhaps even offensive to those who were in the room. Something like handing over the keys to a new cabin or a new car or something as generous as offering free tuition for a college student. Wait, what? Free tuition for a college student? It seems that if we really think about it, that there could be moments when transactions, even very large ones, make so much sense that we no longer think about the cost. Remember the cost of giving birth? I don't really either. This massive transaction that we witness today in the Gospel of John defies the accounting books because of one thing. Because Mary loves Jesus. And Jesus loves Mary. And the moment between them, where the spikenard is spilled, is grounded in their love for each other. It's relational. And I'm not saying that relationships don't cost money, because they do. They cost a lot of money. But we do not see them as a transaction because we tend to see them as what? As an investment. Especially when it's someone that we love. It's an investment in who we are, an investment in who they are, an investment in the world in which we want to live in, an investment in what we believe about God and how God enters the world. And see, Mary believed that Jesus was going to die. She believed that he was Lord, and she refers to him many times that way, if you look earlier in the Gospel of John. She's the one that sat at his feet, listening to his teaching. Remember, while Martha was in the kitchen doing all the preparations? That's this Mary. 
She's the one that wept together with him at the death of Lazarus, which is just a few chapters earlier. That's this Mary. And so this act that she pours out for Jesus, this is not a display. This is not an act of tokenism. This is not a token offering because she thinks that it's the right thing to do. This is actually born out of her life. And it's born out of their relationship. And Jesus takes it not as an offense, but he takes it as a way of preparing the road that he is about to embark upon. He receives it as his preparation for burial. You see, you can't put a cost on that. It defies transaction. And when Judas tries to bring it into the real world of the ledger, Jesus won't have it. Leave her alone, he says. And he's not only protecting Mary here, but he's protecting our whole way of human life from devolving into nothing but a giant ledger sheet. He's throwing the line down and saying, you cannot measure everything by dollars and cents. You see, anyone who has managed a budget knows that it's easy for ideas to come, but in fact, all ideas have a cost. And this is why when you want to have a new idea, some of the people that you want maybe in the room, but maybe on the sidelines, are the controllers and the accountants. I can say that because my husband's a controller and accountant, and he tells me that that's where he ends up. Because all ideas have a cost, right? Yes, yes, they do. They do have a cost. But it is still true that none of us start our lives being seen as a cost. We all come into this world costing, in fact, quite a fortune. But being valued as something invaluable. And so our ideas should be too. And so should our mission. And so should our work. And the ways in which we interact with other human beings, whether you spend a fortune or whether you spend a few pennies, the challenge is still the same. Do not mark ideas by how much they cost. Do not mark the work of the church by how big or small the budget is. Do not let your relationships or the way that you invest in the world devolve into mere dollars and cents. And maybe that means that you need to spill a jar of alabaster and maybe it means that you need to sit on the sidelines quietly while someone else does that instead. Leave her alone, Jesus says. She is preparing the way for my burial. Friends, I want to close with a story. There was another Mary, a legendary one, Mary Poppins. 
But this story, as we all know from Walt Disney, not from Walt Disney, he bought the rights, as we know it took a long time for him to get those. He needed an actor to get this story off the ground. Now, Mary Poppins, as some of you might know, came out the same year as another box office smash. Does anybody remember? My Fair Lady. Came out the same year as My Fair Lady. That's right. And Jack Warner of Warner Brothers had not even offered the role of Eliza Doolittle to Julie Andrews. Now, Julie Andrews was the one who was Eliza Doolittle on Broadway, and she was the one who had taken this script and absolutely electrified it, and she did not even have the opportunity to play the role of Eliza Doolittle when it went on to the big screen. The role was given to Audrey Hepburn. Why? Because numbers. Because numbers showed that Audrey was the one who can pull in the box office numbers. So Julie Andrews was totally overlooked. Well, it gave Walt Disney an opportunity. So he swooped in and asked her to play the role as Mary Poppins, which she gladly obliged to, though she reluctantly admitted in an interview that she would have loved the opportunity to be Eliza Doolittle had she been given the opportunity. Well, the numbers won, and Julie, instead of being Eliza, became the timeless nanny with the flying umbrella. While Audrey Hepburn bore the work of standing up to the vocals of Julie Andrews while they put together the making of My Fair Lady. Enter the numbers again. Jack Warner never intended to use Audrey Hepburn's voice in the final cut of My Fair Lady. Even though she had done timeless vocal preparations, she was dubbed over in every single song, which was a massive surprise to the actor, and she didn't even learn that this was going to happen until mid-rehearsal one of the days on the set. And then all of a sudden, it was known to all of Hollywood, and she had to engage in this massive scandal that was not her choice. At the end of the day, it was Julie Andrews who ended up winning the Academy Award for her performance in Mary Poppins. But she kept her trophy in her attic for years because she was so embarrassed and stressed and felt so much awkwardness over the way that everything had unfolded between the press pitting her against Audrey Hepburn and the way in which the screen had become so entangled in this scandal. Money, it seems, is not everything. Even when it is, it's not. Money is something. The ledger matters, but it doesn't count for everything. If it did, we could add up the value of the cost in this room. But we can't. We can't let money take the role of people because every time we let that happen, it fails. 
It fails us. It fails our culture. It fails our world. And it hurts people in its wake. Leave her alone, Jesus said. Leave her alone. Let's pray.